Here we are in another week of re-engage. As we come to the last five sessions, we're reminded that things we plan, expect, and count on are sometimes just in our heads and can lead to pent-up frustration when those ideas don't pan out the way that we expect them to. How do we live in a way that we don't get stuck in a cycle of resenting those people we care so much about? Let's hear another great lesson about dealing with those common disappointments. I want to just share a, a picture of our family and give a little background to this. This is not an everyday uh, picture of us. This is Halloween, October 31st, 2013. It's me and my recycled Batman costume because every year Lincoln had been asking me to be Batman and he would be Robin. But this, this particular year, Brandy was dressed as Wonder Woman and Charlie was dressed as Superman. It was a cute, fun night. It was, it was great. And that's a sweet memory. The next day, November 1st, Brandy and I discovered that we were pregnant. Now, that was exciting, surprising. It was everything that you'd hope. We were, it was wonderful. But then it quickly gave way to what I think has, was the roughest season of our lives. Because... And that might be overstated, but, but the truth is pregnancy was, it was no cakewalk for Brandy. It was hard. It, there, she had every possible s- symptom that I, I've ever heard of and, and with, 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 with a difficult pregnancy. And, and Charlie, in that first year, we adopted Lincoln and Charlie. In that first year that we had brought Charlie home, we counted over 100 doctor's visits. So Brandy had a difficult pregnancy. Charlie had, uh, was, there's all sorts of needs there. And I know that when things get difficult, my natural uh, response is to kind of kick it into service mode where I want to make everything better by, you know, well, I'll definitely help with, I'll do the dishes and help with the laundry and do whatever I can. I'm just kind of like, I, I kick into a service mode. But Brandy had an expectation or a hope that, Pregnancy would be this sweet time of bonding where I'm, I'm, I'm talking to our, it was Lucy who was in, who was, when she was pregnant, we knew it was, it was a girl. We named her Lucy. So Brandy expected me to be spending time, you know, just holding her and talking to Lucy and it's the three of us. And that almost never happened because it was just a season of chaos. And on Brandy's side, her hope, her expectation was this would be a time where she felt loved and connected, connected with me, being just taken care of. But I had an expectation that if I'm kicking it into high gear, serving and, and you know, pulling extra weight around the house, I'd go to work, come home as early as I could and help out as much as I could. I expected that with, with investing that much that I'd be appreciated, that that Brandy would be saying, thank you for helping. And, and not only that, I also expected some peace and comfort with that as well. And du- it was during that season that I would come home and expecting things just to be normal, Brandy was having a, a, a hellish day. And I'd come home not aware that I'm walking into probably what felt like a war zone. And that season was a swirl of disappointed expectations. And that led to a response on both sides. We were both angry. 
my response was to withdraw from her. I didn't want to really pursue her because I didn't feel like, oh, well, there's not going to be peace and comfort here. So I withdraw. And from Brandy's perspective, it was anger plus hurt. And there's probably even more dynamics. But this led to a swirling spiral of disappointed expectations. And there's a proverb that just hits the nail on the head. Proverbs 13, 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. These expectations, reasonable as they, they might have been, they were hopes, hopes that were deferred. We all struggle with our own version of this. You know, you get into a marriage and you find that your spouse is not giving you what you expect, so you withdraw. And, you know, he's not being the husband he used to be. Why should I be the wife I used to be? She's, she used to do this. She doesn't anymore. Why should I do that? And this back and forth happens. And the question I want to ask is, where's God in all of this? I mean, as believers, shouldn't it look different? This is a picture of any marriage. But I know that as a Christian couple, and I know many other Christian couples, this looks like us. Where's God in this? What are we supposed to do with this universal problem of unmet expectations? And how does our relationship with God factor into it? So let me start with a real simple just definition of what I mean by expectations. Expectations are beliefs about the way things will be or should be. They're expectations, they're beliefs about the way things will be or should be. This can be applied to the big things and to the small things in life. We, we have expectations everywhere. We have expectations about the division of labor in the house, about what, how romantic we're going to be or how you should feel pursued. We have expectations about sex, expectations about finances, parenting styles, travel plans, dinner plans, retirement plans, TV, what shows are you going to watch, how you will be allowed to wake up in the morning, and how you're going to be greeted when you come home. Expectations are everywhere. Maybe you expected marriage would be easy. You have expectations about how many expectations should be put on you. You, you get the point. I could just go on and on. But the thing is, we're often not aware of the expectations that we have. Are you aware of your expectations? What comes to your mind? I need to point this out because we have so many expectations and we are unaware, I think, of many of them, maybe most of them, but your spouse is probably unaware of your expectations as well. And then on the flip side, you're likely your spouse's greatest source of unmet expectations. These are the things that we need to understand about expectations. You're sitting next to someone and you are a source of many of those disappointed expectations. This is just one of those things that demands clarity from God's word because it, in, it impacts every single one of us where we live. You know, Greg Cook says that expectations are premeditated resentments. If you have an unmet expectation, whether you're aware of it or not, if you have an unmet expectation, you're going to be frustrated. It's a premeditated resentment. And when there's resentment, those small resentments, they begin to escalate and you begin to believe the worst about each other. 
So here's the, here's the problem is left unchecked, expectations will sabotage our marriages. Your expectations will sabotage your marriage. You know, unchecked expectations make a healthy, happy marriage an impossibility. There are two typical responses to expectations. Basically, before you even fail to live up to them, there are two typical responses. One, you could demand your mate to fulfill your expectations, or you could try to ignore your expectations. And that usually is divided along the temperament styles that we all fall into. Uh, there's a book by Ken Sandy called The Peacemaker. And he says that there's two ty typical types of people. You have your peace breakers and you have your peace fakers. Peace breakers are people who will typically demand fulfillment of their expectations. I have this expectation and I'm going to state it and I'm going to restate it and I'm going to point out that you didn't do it and I'm going to break the peace. Those are your peace breakers. And many of us live there. That's that's what comes naturally. Then there's other people who we don't want the conflict. We would rather fake peace. And I'm just going to ignore my expectations because I know that's going to lead to a fight. And it's not like these people are peaceful. They fake peace. And that resentment turns into bitterness. And their unhappiness shows out in passive aggressive ways. Underhanded comments or things that are unloving. Failures to reach out. And there's a tendency to withdraw. But... No matter what your, your style of response is to expectations, no, no, no matter what your temperament looks like mixed with your expectations, it, it's ugly. It turns ugly. It's poison to a relationship. What should we do with our expectations then? Actually, a more appropriate question is, what does God's word call us to do? This is hard because it's not like I can take my Bible and look up expectations, you know, go to the expectations section and, and just get a bunch of prescriptions. And God's, this word, the, the Bible is not divided up topically. This is a book about God. It's a book about, first and foremost, about Him. And when you just stand back and take a look at what the scriptures tell us, one thing, one major theme, is that God never intended us for us to find our life and our joy in the things of this world. That's a, a macro point to be made about the scriptures. Instead of looking at like, what, is, what does it say about our expectations, a big thing that we need to see from, from the scriptures is that God never intended us for, our, for us to find our life and our joy and our fulfillment in the things of this world. For example, John 17, verse 3, Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life fulfillment is meant to be found in Him. So if we're looking to our expectations, if our expectations are focused on the things that can be found in this world or the things that can be done by your spouse, you know, uh, that your spouse can live up to your expectations, you're going to be disappointed because you are never meant to be satisfied by your spouse in that way. So going back to this picture of our hearts here, where is God in all of this? Well, I think the question we need to ask ourselves personally first is, where is your God in all of this? And I mean, where is your lowercase g God in all of this? Going back to my example from the beginning here, my, my God, my idol in this situation, 
was that my life, my hope, my joy, my fulfillment, I wanted that in being appreciated. I wanted to be approved by my wife. I wanted admiration from my spouse. Brandy could define me by the way she responded to me and it can be for better or for worse. And another God of mine was peace and comfort. Don't encroach on my kingdom of ease. If you do, there, someone's got to pay because I need peace. Your God is what you really love, what really fuels you. So we begin to make progress addressing our expectations when we realize that we have a worship problem. If we have unmet expectations that are really, really getting to us, there's a worship problem. Who are you living for? What are you, what is it all about for you? So from your notes here, what should you do with your expectations? Well, instead of asking yourself, what do I want? Try asking yourself, am I wanting God? That's the crux of the issue. Don't go about trying to figure out how you can have your expectations met. No, instead, ask yourself, am I really wanting God in this? Or am I just focused on what I want? There's a beautiful promise in Psalm 37, verse 4, that says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. You know, if, if you delight yourself in Him, it's not like He's going to give you the, the, the worldly desires of your heart. No, but He is going to give you the desires of your heart that I want joy. Maybe I think I find joy in something over here. I find joy in a promotion or I find joy in a new toy or something. But God says, no, delight yourself in me and I'll give you true joy. I want security. I think I'm going to find security in a good bank account that, that, you know, with their savings and all these other investments. God says, hey, delight yourself in me and I'll give you true security. What do I want? That's the problem of my expectations. The question is, am I really wanting God? And if I am really wanting him, my expectations, that problem begins to solve itself. But there are two sides to this expectation problem because you have your expectations and your spouse has his expectations or her expectations. So what do you do, of the, what do, you do with the expectations that your spouse has of you? And this is very similar. Because we all know what it feels like to be on the receiving end of someone's disappointed expectations. It's, it's not fun. I'll tell you what you should not do. Do not begin to blindly try to jump and try to live up to your spouse's expectations. If you know that your spouse wants something from you, if your first gut instinct is to try to fulfill those, that is not a healthy thing. Now, I want to clarify because... If, you, if your first and foremost response is to try to fulfill your spouse's expectations, it's going to lead to discouragement and resentment. So really what you need to do with your spouse's expectations is before asking yourself, what does my spouse want from me? Ask, what does God want from me? You know, living to please your spouse before God is the sin of, it's what the Bible calls the fear of man. Colossians 3.23 exhorts us, it says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. 
Because if you're working for the Lord, it doesn't matter whether or not you're being watched by men or not. You're working for the Lord. You're going to do the right thing heartily with all your heart. But if you're working for man, if you're just working for your boss's approval or whatever, you're going to do the right thing when your boss is watching, but you're not going to do the right, the right thing when your boss is not watching. You, you're going to fudge on your, on your standards. Working for the Lord is what causes somebody to, to live for another standard. Here's another verse. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? When you live in fear of man, you're standing before your spouse and you really can't, you can't try to live up to that expectation because you're not going to stand before your spouse in the final judgment. Your wife is not your direct report. Your husband is not your direct report. It's God. You're going to stand before God and answer, how did you handle the marriage that I gave you? You'll not be held accountable for whether or not you, left, you met your spouse's expectations. However, you will be held accountable for how you obeyed God, how you lived up to God's expectations. So with that being said, when you're living before God, you must humbly listen to the criticism that you receive from your spouse. So I'm not saying just to tune out your spouse's expectations. I'm saying start by going to God and asking, what do you want, God? And then listen to your spouse's expectations. So let me give an example. Let's say your, your wife is stressed out by the daily demands that kids, I mean, she's at home and the kids are going crazy and she just can't keep up and she's stressed and, and just she begins expecting and even demanding that you, that you start pulling your weight as a husband more. That might be completely, completely legitimate. But if your instinctive response is to say, yes, ma'am, and you're, you're trying to live up to those expectations, what if the problem isn't the tasks that are left undone? What if the problem isn't, isn't that, but rather the problem is a restless heart and your wife that is weighed down by anxiety? If you just respond to that expectation, what you're likely going to have is instead of having one person who's weighed down by anxiety, you're not going to have two people weighed down by that same anxiety. But if instead you hear that you're, you see that your wife is stressed, overworked, weighed down by anxiety, and you say, God, I see my wife needs something from me and, or is wanting something from me, but God, first, what do you want me to do? He might give you very different marching orders. If I just run to, the light, to lighten the, the load, I have, we have two people who are stressed, but maybe he's going to say, no, take her, take her to my word. It says in 1 Peter 5, cast your anxiety on, on him because he cares for you. You don't answer to your spouse. You answer to God. What do you want me to do with this, God? So when your spouse or anyone disappoints your expectations, that, there's one way to handle that. Or when you feel like you might be disappointing your spouse's expectations, there's another way to handle it. But they're both essentially the same. You go to God first. You don't jump and serve those expectations, whether they be, they're being put on you or whether you're putting them on somebody else. Let me give you three application points, though, that might help just break this down. When your spouse or anyone disappoints your expectations, number one, search your heart. If you have disappointed expectations, look in your heart. Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Try me and know my thoughts and see if there, there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, there comes a time you need to prayerfully evaluate your hopes, your expectations, your attitude. Is my expectation, is it reasonable or is it sinful? Does my spouse even know what my expectations are? Is my attitude, am I, am I making this a condition of love or a source of resentment? And if you see sin in there, which is a good chance you're going to see sin, confess it to God. Am I hoping in the wrong thing here, Lord? Unmet expectations that are working us over, they are like arrows that are pointing to what we are really worshiping. And if it's something other than God, confess that to him. I've replaced you with something that's not worthy, God. And here's the truth, and I've said it a number of times. Our spouses make lousy saviors. Our kids make lousy saviors. Our jobs make lousy saviors. Our expectations were never meant to be fulfilled by our spouses. There's amazing freedom in knowing that our, uh, those unmet expectations, they are our problems, not our spouses. So search your heart so you can confess it to him. And secondly, serve your spouse rather than manipulating. Now, I'm not talking about serve your spouse like do the dishes so that maybe you can have sex tonight. That's, that's not love. That's not service. That's strategic selfishness. That's sophisticated manipulation. It, when I say serve your spouse, I'm talking about loving and, and forgiving. Taking passages like Colossians 3 here that says, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. It says bearing with one another, bearing the burdens that we each experience. It's especially important that we love and serve well when our expectations aren't met because we are all called to love sacrificially, to deny ourselves. Where is that more relevant than when we feel like we're not getting what we deserve or what we want? Typically, unmet expectations, they lead us to withdraw or to attack. But if you, if you just think with me for a moment, if you have kids, you know this, that we, okay, when you, you had your, uh, your baby, you, you love this little, little, let's say little boy. You, you love this little boy and you serve him, you feed him, you rest him, you wake up in the middle of the night and feed him again and you do this over and over. And what does your, your little boy give you in response? More dirty diapers and more crying. More, he robs you of more sleep and you just give and give and give and they give nothing in return. Now, do you resent your baby when that happens? No, you love him more and more because there's something about, you have this idea about, I can unconditionally serve this little guy. And yet when we comes to loving our spouses, that unconditional turns into this condition of if you're not going to do what I expect, then I'm not going to do what you expect. And we, we, the, the rules seem to change for some reason. No, our affections 
grow as we choose to serve whether or not we're having our expectations met. met. And the resentment that we feel shrinks when we choose to serve even when we're disappointed. So, search your heart, serve your spouse, and last, share your hopes. You know, you can lovingly communicate your hopes and desires, not as a condition for love, but as a way to deepen your love. I mean, this requires, this requires humility and patience. It requires being clear and realizing that it might take multiple attempts to be heard. This is best done when you're not in an argument. If you communicate your, your expectations when you're in an argument, it, fe- it feels like accusations. But when you communicate your expectations lovingly when you're on a date, when you're just having a nice conversation, it, it's allowing your spouse to know how they can serve you and, and love you better. But again, this is not a condition for love, but rather a way to deepen your love. So search your heart, serve your spouse, and share your hopes. I hope that you walk away with this. I said this just a minute ago. Unmet expectations that are working us over, they are like arrows pointing back at what we are really worshiping, what we are really living for. And if we simply make this topic of expectations about the horizontal aspect of expectations, no progress has been made. But if you recognize that the problem of expectations is really a worship problem and that I need to go to God with what I'm really hoping in, what I'm really wanting, great progress is made because we delight ourselves in the Lord. He will give us the desires of our hearts. He's not going to leave us hanging. Can we really know that God is going to be good to us and fulfill our expectations? Well, if the expectations are unreasonable or not according to his will, he's going to replace those expectations with what we really need. He gives us the desires of our heart, even if we don't even understand what those desires are yet. Delighting yourself in the Lord is a way to know that you will not live with the resentment of unmet expectations. But I ask that question, can we really know that he's going to be good to us, that he's really going to be enough for us? And I'd say, absolutely. Here's the reason why. I don't have to wonder if God's going to be generous toward me because he's already been generous toward me. He's given me the most expensive gift he can give me, his son. It says in Romans 8:32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God has already given us the most expensive gift of his son and the rest of it, it's like he's given us the billion dollar gift and the things that we want now, it's like spare change. You don't have to wonder, God, are you going to be stingy toward me now? No. He is all good. He is good toward us in every way. We can look to him and delight ourselves in him and expect that the desires of our heart will be fulfilled. And out of that, We can love our spouse and not be demanding expectations. So let me me pray and and ask God to apply this to our hearts. Father, um, I know that this speaks to me 
where I live on a daily basis, and it speaks to every one of us because we all struggle with expectations. We all have things that we feel like we, we need, we deserve. It's right to, to expect that those things will be fulfilled. And when they're not, it just lodges in our hearts and it causes resentment and we just struggle with these things. But our eyes, when we're struggling like this, they're not on you. So we confess that we get distracted. I get distracted. And we confess that we need you more than we need anything else that we expect. And I thank you that we get to look to one who's good, who's generous, who's gracious and merciful. So Lord, would you teach us to look to you rather than to demand things of those around us? And then out of that, would you teach us to handle our expectations in in a healthy way, in a way that honors you? I pray that you help us apply this in our daily lives. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.